Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA Podcast. Today's guest is Brendan Murphy from Counterparts. You know Counterparts, the band that's like half breakdowns, half crying, half sad with the singer that's funny on Twitter. That singer is Brendan. So I got him on the podcast to kind of talk about how the quarantine is affecting his band and more importantly, how they make a lot of their business decisions, like how they book tours, like how they forecast how many sizes of shirts to order before they go out, like how do they decide how many of these hoodies to get in Europe versus this many hoodies in Japan or whatever. We get into all the nuances of that stuff and I think this will be a really interesting look behind the scenes at how bands operate and the way that a band operates is the same any business operates. We get super deep into all that stuff. I thought it was a super interesting conversation. I could have gone on for another hour, but I wanted to be respectful of his time because we've all got things to do, right? So before I get into the show, first I wanted to just mention a couple ways that you can support the show if you're interested. Number one, please share it on social media. Tag me, tag the guest, tag Deanna. It really helps us spread the word because as you know, the platforms themselves like Spotify and Apple and stuff don't really do very much in terms of marketing. So if you share it with your friends, that really helps us. Thing number two that you can do if you want is to support the show on Patreon. Patrons get access to their shows a week early. There's an opportunity to have me review your band or podcast or YouTube channel or any other project you wanna send my way as well as some other stuff. There's a link to that in the show notes. And number three, if you really, really, really like the show, you can buy some merch. There is a link to that in the show notes as well. And as always, I want to thank our producer and editor, Deanna Chapman. She is the one that makes all this happen. If you've got a podcast that you want to get off the ground, or maybe you already have a podcast and you want to just do it bigger and better, there's a link to her contact information in the show notes as well. And with that out of the way, let's get into the show. Good morning. Mr. Brendan Joseph Murphy. Hello, how are you? You are reporting live from Canada. Yeah, from from Hamilton, Ontario. And we are both under quarantine. They just announced uh, earlier today, I think, that they closed the Canadian border, as I was expecting. Do you have anything that got disrupted by this? I know you guys just played some dates. Do you have anything that kind of got screwed up? Not uh, for, for counterparts, no. But for, and I actually like, it's crazy. Like they just shut down the border today and like I got home from the U S like two days ago. I'm pretty sure they would have to let me back in. You know what I mean? Like I might not have been able to fly, but if I were to like, you know, rent a car or some shit, like I think they would have to let me back into the country. Like, Oh, we've seen your tweets, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. They're, <laughs> yeah. They're, they're like, no, nah, no, nah, you can, you can stay there Yeah. now, nah, but they like, we were supposed to play, I think it was like Sunday, like the 15th or something. And was supposed to play New York city at Webster hall with like body count and the Chromags. What, what's, what's his name? Harley yeah. Flanagan. 
the yeah that that version of the Chrome X right. for anyone who you know gets into that whole beef. Yeah, if anyone really wants to get involved, I you know it's so funny because like ever like the other guys in end were like talking about that and being like, yeah, I think. I don't know. Like they're like having an actual like, <laughs> right? Just like discussion of like which like I don't know. Like I think so and so actually like made Chroma and whatever and all this like shit. The I'm way sitting people there, talk about like, who's going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, straight up. And I'm like, I'm sitting there. I'm just sitting in the like in the <laughs> kitchen, just being like, yeah, I like fucking. I like eyeliner breakdown bands. Like I literally don't know about any of this shit. I'm fucking. I'm 28. Number one used fan. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah, you want to talk about like, you know, the used and all that stuff and fucking My Chemical Romance and what I think about the Black Parade versus Sweet Cheers, I can talk your ear off, but fucking, you know what I mean? Like when you're, when you're talking about that stuff, I'm like, that was just a little bit, I'm like just a little bit too young for that, I think. Well, I'm 41 and I'm a little too young for it too. Oh, the, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know what I mean? Like the fucking 28 year old guy, it's like, yeah, fucking, hey, were, were you there for like the fucking... You know, were you there for all that? I'm like, yo, dude, when like when all that was happening, like I either wasn't born or I was an infant. So like, no, I couldn't have made it to CBGBs if I wanted to. Right. I'm sorry. I was I do think it's interesting. I was still eating formula for fuck's <laughs> sake. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I don't know about you. I breastfed until I was nine. So I don't know if that, that that's normal, right? Yes, that's pretty. I mean, I I went until about. I mean, that's actually pretty early. I went to about like 17, (laughs) pretty much around the time I got a girlfriend. My mom's like, you don't need to do this anymore. You can, you can go to her. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's fine. I can try this out. Just make this work. (laughs) I do think it's interesting though. Like I've been thinking about this quite a bit recently is just like how much fans identities are wrapped up in the things that they consume and caring about things like that, like beef. And I'm not putting down the Cro-Mags or, I mean, Cro-Mags are a great band and I'm not laughing no no that's that's the thing it's like i definitely understand that without them there wouldn't be you know they are like pioneers and shit like that like i i get that i'm just just all i'm saying is all i'm saying is i was just way too young to know any of that stuff you know what i mean like i even you know what i mean like it's like there's yeah i wasn't alive so i can't i can't talk about it but but no i i agree it's weird that that's sort of like that's such a thing like we even get it where it's like people will talk about like past members and be like like I was watching, we had like a live video from uh, from the Dome in London. We like streamed the whole set. There's like people, like kids commenting, being like, oh, like I still miss Jesse. I'm like, why? Like he fucking, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, he literally comes to the studio and writes the records with us still. Right. You miss like seeing him? Like you miss the way his face looks? Like that doesn't make any fucking sense. Like who cares? You know what you I mean? You could put like, you could do like hologram Jesse like they did with Tupac. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just like fucking frame a, put a frame picture of him on Blake's fucking <laughs> right. get, to, like guitar head. You know what I mean? And be like, oh, there you go. There's, he's still here. It's like, and you know, and Jesse's like, Fucking, he's probably like sitting at home and he sees those comments. He's just like, why? But like, I don't want to be I'm, there. Yeah, he's like, I just, I didn't like it. Like, I didn't have fun. I have fun writing. I don't have fun touring. So, like, please don't make me go on tour again. I don't like that at all. And it's like, yeah, it's it's so weird that people get like, I don't know, people kind of get wrapped up in that. I mean, I, I guess I get it if it's like, you know, if let's say like, I mean, for for Jesse, for example, it's like he was like the primary songwriter of the band. So when he left, uh, a lot of people were scared understandably yeah. you know like i mean i would like i like think about me like it's my fucking livelihood like i was scared it's like oh suddenly the guy that like writes everything is quitting the band and i'm just like oh shit like, i <laughs> guess i guess i better go to college you know what i mean but 
What you mean university? Yes. Yeah. I you mean can, either. You, you either can or. speak Canadian here. It's okay. We understand. Either or. After grade nine, I went to university. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Well, I was I was going to go back for grade thirteen, do a victory <laughs> lap, but I decided to go right to yeah fucking Toronto Maple Leafs University and what Maple it's, Syrup Ontario. That kind of like emotional <laughs> attachment is interesting to me and like on the one hand i kind of roll my eyes on it roll my eyes at it on the other hand that's the same reason people care in the first place and so i feel like it's kind of a double-edged sword yeah i don't really have a great point about that it's just something i've been thinking about lately is kind of yeah yeah you know that dynamic of people caring a whole lot about this thing that they didn't make and again, I'm not putting I'm not putting it down. I mean, I wouldn't be here if people didn't care about the things that I make. So I appreciate that they do. Exactly. I don't quite know what to make of it, you know, and especially I totally understand when it's kids. Like when I was 13, I cared a lot about, you know, why the drummer of my favorite band isn't in the band anymore. Yeah, yeah, totally. When people are in their 30s, it's a little different. But yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting how much of our identity can be wrapped up in the things we consume, whether that's bands or clothing, or I mean, you know, any like of this movies, stuff. you know, yeah. any, yeah, it's like fucking any, yeah. Sports. I mean, I, I equate it to like, you know what I mean? Like, let's say like Jesse leaving the band and then Adrian places him and then Alex replaces Adrian shit. It's like people let like, uh, like people who are like love sports teams and shit. And they're like, Oh, like my favorite team, like, Oh, like that player got traded, like, fuck him. Like how yeah. dare he? And it's like, yo, like, if like, you know, at the end of the day, like, if somebody, I don't know, like I'm not made of stone. Someone fucking came up to me and was like, hey, you want to make like $60 million more and sing for this band? I'd probably be like, yeah, sure, I'm down. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, like what the fuck? I've got, you know, I'm a normal human being. I got, I got bills and shit. Yeah. I got expensive taste that I got to fucking, that I got to keep up with. That's right. I've never thought about the reason why. I just usually, like I said, like you, like I see it, I kind of eye roll and I go, fuck. Like I love that people care this much. But at the same time, I'm kind of just like, well, you know, pick pick your battles. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's it's different if you know, it'd be different if like Jesse left and suddenly we were like a fucking ska band or whatever. Yeah, I was gonna literally, I was literally about to say ska band. Like, we literally changed our sound so drastically that we became a ska band, and people were like, I'm actually kind of pissed off about this. I'd be like, fair enough, that yeah. makes sense. But when we go from tragedy to you're not you, it's like, okay, so like Jesse left, and then we put out like a better record than all the other ones (laughs) like you know what i mean like both him and and alex like the original guitar players were always around for writing and they still are like they're literally the alex messaged me the other day like alex is now back in the band and he was texting me the other day being like yo like jesse randomly came over we're like writing songs for the next record and i'm like please don't start that now like i don't want to think about (laughs) fucking writing lyrics for at least a couple years like nothing left to love has been out for like six months like can we just give it can we give it time to chill before i have to fucking start doing other stuff again what makes you say that is it because it takes time or it's emotionally difficult or what just because i'm lazy <laughs> that's okay that's straight up it. it's like i wouldn't say that writing writing lyrics and stuff is it's not emotionally difficult because i can kind of just like tap back into shit that i think i should write about and things that i think people want to hear about or things i need to get off my chest or whatever it is you know what i mean like we go to the studio we're usually there for like a month, sometimes five weeks, whatever. And it's like the first, like, you know, vocals are always, they're like usually last. So it's like, you know, I kind of spend two, three weeks just like on my ass ordering like food and fucking, you know, like we'll crack some box wine or something and we'll go for ice. And I'm like, literally just chilling, having fun. And then all of a sudden it's like the last two weeks, we'll was like, yeah, we should, Hey, we should start, uh, 
we'll start tracking vocals tomorrow. Like, what do you got? And I'm like, Oh, nothing. <laughs> I'll, I'll start <laughs> that right now, I guess. So, and then it's like, but, and, and I know like, it's, it's absolutely my fault. It's no one else's fault. Like it's, it's just me procrastinating so bad that I wait to the last possible second. So I only have myself to blame, but definitely like when it's done, I'm just like, I'm so used to like fucking like dictionary.com thesaurus.com, like looking up all this crazy shit. And it's just like, I don't even want to talk in like proper sentences anymore. I want to say like two words at a time and that's it. Like it's exhausting, but it's, it is always like at the end of it. I mean, I'm definitely proud of it. I'm like, yeah, that rocks just like don't ask me to be creative for a little while. <laughs> you, you'll probably like my new book, The Singer Who Was On Time and Other Tales of Whimsical Fantasy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the singer that helped load. <laughs> right. The thought about somebody other than himself. Yeah, crazy, right? So on that note, I feel like, you know, you guys have been around for a while now, like 10 years or something, right? I think like technically 13, but also like we didn't really fucking... We weren't like doing anything because we again, like we were literally in like grade nine and 10 when we started. So it's like, obviously, we couldn't like go on tour and shit. Maybe if my parents were to be like, yeah, drop out, who fucking cares? Little rocker, go fucking, <laughs> you know, go ruin your life. But they they didn't. Unfortunately, they made me finish high school. So we did that. But then we like we really started doing it like full on for like probably it's probably been like, yeah, about 10 years. The, the first three was like you know, playing fucking Waking the Cadaver covers as a joke at practice. Right. You know what I mean? Like just stupid shit like that. So I feel like maybe in the last three years or something like that, I feel like the band got, or maybe even just last two years, like really got dramatically more popular. At least that's my perception of it. Or I certainly started hearing the name come up in a way that I didn't before. Do you agree with that? Or what are your thoughts? I, I agree with you. And I always like that kind of always comes up where they're like, it's only really in the last couple of years that you, your name sort of uh, carried weight for yeah. the first time in, in years, which. And it's not like the music. I mean, the music was always good. I, I think the new stuff is better, but not like it's not like, oh, they used to suck and now they're good. Yeah, I, I think I honestly the only the only explanation that I have that I think makes sense is like is is the fact that for whatever reason, I think we just kind of like whether it was um, label management back in the day, like compared to now, I think that maybe it was just something along the lines of like, maybe we just had like the wrong people work, working for us, I guess, or we weren't on a label that actually had the capacity to like push us as, as hard, you know, or mm -hmm. at least like, and I mean, like when you think about Victory, it's like, obviously they're a huge fucking label. Like they've had, they had some of the biggest bands in our in our world, even like outside of our world and like the alt world, you know, like Taking Back Sunday, Hawthorne Heights, like all that shit. Are you going to be a priority is the question. That was kind of it. It's like, you know, like we, I feel like maybe before we weren't necessarily like, maybe, maybe not that we weren't a priority, but I just think people didn't really know like where to sort of put us. You know what I mean? It's like, because we have that thing. It's like, we're in my mind, it's like we're a metalcore band. We always have been, I guess. And it's like, talk about like Hellfest and all that shit. And it's like, I feel like back then, like, if we would have been, if we would have had these songs and we would have been on like Trust Kill or something, I think totally. that, or, or Ferret or one of those, I feel like the band would have, it would have made more sense because those labels in themselves were like a, they were their own sort of like niche. They were their own sort of like universe and everything. And it didn't really matter. It's like, okay, it's heavy and whatever. You know what I mean? Like, but I, I think that for whatever reason, like the earlier, like the earlier people, like the team that we had, they didn't really know where to like place us. It'd be like, you know, we would be doing either like, you know, weird, like, uh, like weird tours that didn't make sense. Or we were doing like 
weird shit. Like I remember one time we did us and close your eyes did like a fucking in-store signing <laughs> like with victory. And they were like, yeah, like you got to do an in-store. And I'm like, well, I don't really think anyone's going to show up. And they didn't, there was yeah. li- like literally a no word of a lie. Two people came to the fucking FYE that we were at. And it's not because people don't like your band. It's just, that's not your vibe. Exactly. Like no one is going to be like, yeah, I'm going to go to the fucking mall and like, say hi to counterparts like behind a table and take right. pictures and have them sign my shit when it's like you know it's just it's awkward like i feel like we're a little bit more because they could just go up and say hi to you at the next show yeah they'll like literally see me fucking at the bar like buying a drink and they'll be like hey fucking hey drinking rocks and i'm like yeah okay and then yeah. you know what i mean and then we have a conversation and that's the end of it but yeah i just i feel like we didn't know and no one else really knew where to place us and also just like I think not that it's like a huge disadvantage or like handicap or any by any means, but like being a Canadian band too, like kind of breaking into the States, it's almost like, like no matter how big you are in Canada, like if you haven't done the U S it's like, it's literally like, you're literally hitting a reset button. Like so many bands from our scene would like, you know, they'd be like worth almost a thousand kids a night in Canada. And then they would go to the States and it's like, you know, we're talking like a hundred kids if you're lucky. So a lot of bands were just like, fuck that. Like, why the hell would we ever do that? But that's an interesting observation, which I've seen as well with a couple bands like Billy Talent is one that like, sure, if I if I hear from somebody, it's like a Billy Talent mega fan that's like mad that I'm not giving them credit. I'm like, okay, you're Canadian, right? Literally, it's like you're either Canadian or you're like super from the UK or something like that's even like on the same thing as like other bands like. I'm trying to think of one like a fucking huge band, like Tragically Hip and stuff like that. And like gigantic fucking real like radio Canadian bands. And it's like, I think that is Bowling for Soup Canadian. No, I don't think but so. They seem like they would be, don't they? <laughs> it's just goofy enough to where it's like, yeah, they're yeah, they're fucking they can't be from America. Everyone's everything's crazy here. Oh, they're from Texas. That's right. Yeah. The opposite of Canada. Yeah. Almost polar opposites. But... <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. Another band I've noticed that with is uh I, I always forget how to say it right. Alexis on fire. Alexis on fire. Yeah, for which sure. I that guess was, is like yeah. an actually like pretty mainstream artist in Canada. Not the case here. No, no. Even back in the day, like when they had more like screaming yeah. and, and shit like that, it was still like much music, like Canadian MTV type thing for anyone that wouldn't know that. It's like, you know, music videos like on, not on like the fucking late night punk rock fucking show. Like literally just like on the much music countdown with like, fucking all the other things and like they would be like on the radio and stuff like obviously the more like radio friendly songs would you know would be on but yeah i'm pretty sure like before they broke up their like last show that they ever played was here like in hamilton and it was at cops coliseum which is like first ontario center now and it's like pretty sure there's like fucking like 15 between anywhere between 10 and twenty thousand people God. you know what i mean like it's like it's like fucking insane or at least that's what the capacity of the venue is i don't know if maybe they sure, didn't but whatever like, sell the whole thing being, but, they're playing a, a hockey arena or whatever yeah like it's a hockey arena for like the hamilton bulldogs and shit and it's like yeah like rage against the machine is like was supposed to play there on their like reunion tour and they play like, to a tenth of that many people here sure yeah and it's like and it always and that's no fault against them it's just proving your point it's it's weird because Canada is like I mean we live here in Seattle and like we go up north I I'm from I was born in a city called Bellingham I don't know if you've driven through there on tour or whatever sure sure yeah pretty close like to me BC is two hours yeah it's like a, it feels like just an American state it's the same distance as Oregon so to me BC feels 
like an American state because I've always grown up so close to the border. Yeah. Totally. And so it's strange to me that what you're saying is true, that it's like a parallel universe. And especially, I mean, you know, you're not far from the border either. I can be in Buffalo in 45 minutes if I left right now. So what is it that makes it so difficult for Canadian bands when it's so geographically close and culturally close? Like, I don't know exactly. I want to say, in my mind, I think one of the biggest issues is like the whole work visa shit, like how like American bands can come to Canada and you get like, like no Americans like don't need visas to, to play here, obviously, unless you're fucking, you know, unless you're like gigantic and making a million dollars, then you probably yeah. need one. But um, even for us, like back in the day, we were getting paid a hundred dollars, like a hundred dollars US a night. And we had to go and get work visas. So it's like, at that point, you have to think like we, we literally just graduated high school. We all had like, like I worked part-time at a fucking grocery store and then like a hot topic once a week, like that type of shit. Like none of us had any money. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, like you got a couple thousand dollars for your visas and you also have to pay for it every year. You know what I mean? And like all this stuff. And it's just, I didn't realize that. So it it doesn't work both ways. No, no. It's, it's like, yeah, like for, for Americans coming in here, it's, it's like, it's free. I think if you can prove that the venues are like just live music venues, as long as it's not like, you know, like if, if there would, if there was no show going, going on that day, like the venue wouldn't be open, like not like a regular. What's up with your politicians for signing that bullshit deal? Sounds like they got bullied. Straight up. Probably. It was crazy. Like, you know, us like having to ask like our fucking parents for like a couple hundred bucks each to like get these stupid visas. And then they're like, you know, then trying to explain like, oh yeah, so we're going to pay, we're going to pay like a thousand dollars for this and we're going to come home in debt and then (laughs) not even have the thousand dollars. So it's like, it's, it was such a crazy thing. And I think that for a lot of bands, like from Canada, they don't like, they don't do that. And, you know, like they'll, cause like, you know, it's like about the time that you're worth tickets in Canada, that's around the time where you're like, okay, let's try and do the States. But you're already like at a certain level in Canada where you're like, okay, I do this for a living. And like, I just go on tour in Canada. That's how I make my money. Yeah. And then someone tells you like, okay, fine. Like now pay money to go just to be able to enter the U S and work. And then also you're going to get a hundred fucking dollars. Cause you've never been here before. And most Canadian bands are just like, this is stupid. I would, Fuck I would that. never, yeah. or on the flip side, your band just started. You're not worth dick in Canada and you're not worth dick in the States. And then on top of that, you have to come up with a couple thousand dollars that you might never get back to go on tour and like try. So a lot of bands are just like, no fucking way. And then there's also the whole like Canadian radio, like, Oh, that's right. They have those, like those regulations about having to play a certain amount of Canadian artists. Yeah. It has to be at least like 30% Canadian artists, I think too. So that also helps when you're, you know, when you're like, Alexis on fire and you're getting played on like major radio stations here and your music videos are on TV because a lot of the times I think the broadcasters are just like, fuck it. We got another Canadian band. Like, okay, there you go. Let's, let's throw it on. And that's what also makes you big in Canada. And, but then the drawback is no one, no one in the U S has heard of you. I don't know. It's, it's crazy, but yeah. And like Tim and to me, I didn't even like, I didn't even realize that. Like I remember being on fucking MySpace and like, the first Alexa on fire record is like, that's where we got our band name from. Like, that's like one of my favorite records of all time. And fucking, I remember like talking to kids on like MySpace and shit and being like, Oh, do you know Alexa on fire? And people are like, what the fuck is that? And I'm like, how, I'm like, how do you not know? Like they're so big, they're huge. And they're like, and everyone's like, I've never heard that name period. And I'm just like, well, what the fuck? Like, how does this make sense? Yeah. It's crazy. It's so fucking weird, but I'm glad that for whatever reason it, 
like we were kind of at the point where it was like we were worth dick in Canada and we were worth dick in the States. So we're just like, okay, let's just try and pick up some extra shifts and like go for it. And if we lose money, we lose money. Fuck it. You know what? That's such a good way of putting it, picking up extra shifts. Yeah, straight, straight up. Like me and our old bass player, Eric, like we used to work at this grocery store, Sobeys together. And you know what I mean? Like there would just be times where we'd have to be like, hey, can we please like fucking yeah. work a, like like five hours, like more a week would is like, that's 50 bucks. If I do that for a month, I've got my share of the visa thing if you divide it by five you know what i mean just do what you got to do to to make it happen yeah and it's not like you're working in the salt mines or something no that's that's it yeah like there's no there's virtually like i think the worst part about working at sobeys was like when i had to put shit in the freezer and the gloves weren't thick enough so i would (laughs) my hands would get cold you know what i mean it's like end of the day it's not yeah it's not like i'm going to work like on a fucking oil drill or whatever and risking my life every day to fucking play screaming music it's like Nah, just just put out a little bit of extra milk. You know what I mean? One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. 
And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. So when you were coming over to the States in the beginning, were you booking that stuff DIY or did you have an agent or how did that work? For the first little bit, we were kind of, I wouldn't say DIY in a sense, but the, the first two tours that we did, one was with It Prevails and one was with Shai Halud. And we previously had toured with them in Canada. So it's like Shai, like we did a tour. It was, it was Shai Halud, Lionheart, 100th and us in Canada. We became friends with you know, hundred then Shiloh Lineheart, like everybody. And then the then we did another tour in Canada with It Prevails and this band Cypress Stone Eyes from Halifax. And uh so we just kinda like kept in touch and then, you know, it would be like fucking, you know, we like we became friends with Halud and friends with It Prevails. And then when they said like, Oh yeah, we wanna, you know, we wanna like do a tour, like or we're doing a US tour and we want you guys to open it, like we can't really offer much, hundred bucks a night, but if you guys want to do it, and we'd be like, Okay, sure. So we kind of had an in that way with like you know with like that sort of thing and then after we did that for a little while we had some like interests like bailey from like Gravemaker and shit like he used to he used to book us for a minute and stuff like that and we had some other people and like yeah and even still like back in that time it was like it was still myspace and facebook messages and yo right we're from fucking rochester like we'll do let's do five days and like around you know, upstate New York or whatever. And then you do like five Canada shows and we'll just trade off. And it's like, yeah, sure. On that Shia Lou thing, if you're making a hundred bucks a night, you're selling some merch, but you guys must've lost money on that. Oh yeah. Like without question. I, I remember like, I, I remember we were driving home and for the last, like, uh, for the last, like, cause I think it ended, it ended some like somewhere fucking far. And I were like, at least like a day and a half drive from where we were. And I remember like being at the gas station and like we had one of those like money bin things. And I remember like opening up the money bin and there was like fucking change. And I'm just like, and everyone else is kind of asleep. And I'm just like, we're out of fucking money. And I had to like pull out my wallet and like pay for gas out of my pocket on debit. And I'm like, okay, like I'll pay for this fill up. You get the next one, you get this one. And everyone, some like, you know, some of the guys in the band were like, I have zero money. Like I don't even have money to eat. So I can't pay for gas. And I'm like, okay, I'll, you know, we'll all just pay a little bit more. And that's how we like got home. And you must have known beforehand that you were going to lose money on this. Of, of course. Yeah. So how do you make that decision of like, well, we're going to lose money on this tour, but it's worth doing anyway. At that point, it was still not that it's not fun now, but I guess like the idea of touring in general, like I remember the first tour we did with their prevails, like it started in Portland, I believe was the first show or like Salem, Oregon or something like that. Some fucking venue. And it like went down to California and back up or whatever. And I, I remember all of us just kind of being like, yo, I've never like left fucking I'd like, I've been to Buffalo with my family maybe, but like we get to go to California. Like this is crazy. And we get to play music and, you know, we, we like loved it prevails and shy Halud and all those bands. So it's like, we get to go on tour with bands that we like look up to. And then, you know, after the conversation, it was like, Hey, there's a possibility that we all might lose like a couple hundred bucks if we do this, or maybe we'll break even who knows, but like, we're definitely not going to make any money. You guys still want to do this. And everyone was like, yeah, let's fucking go. And so we started touring and everything and started like doing that whole thing. And it just, and then I would say we did that for like 
fucking five or six years before we actually like made a dollar coming home. Like it was usually the same thing. It's like, we'd get home and be like, well, we didn't lose anything, but there's about fucking there's six quarters in the money box. So, you know, everyone gets a quarter and then the band gets to keep 25 cents. You know what I mean? Stupid shit like that. It's like, at that point we were all 18 years old, 19, like, I remember like a lot of the venues we were playing, like they would barely even like let us in to play because we weren't 21 and shit like that. So it's like, yeah, like crazy shit. So we, so we did that forever. And it was just like, you know, when you're 18, you're like, yeah, this sounds fucking sick. Like I'm in, but obviously now I wouldn't, you know, like now there's like not really any tour that could come up aside from like legendary bands where it would be like, yeah, you're not going to make any money, but like you'll, it'll be sick. Like there's not many bands that I would tour with now and be like, okay. Cause I have to, you know, I have to eat and fucking feed myself and shit now. So back then you started doing the band kind of for real. And for the first five years or whatever of that for real period, you're essentially making almost no money off the band, all working side jobs. Yeah, totally. Did you believe that at some point you would be able to make it your full-time thing or you didn't really think too much about it or what, what, what was your plan there? Honestly, it's like, I think I was so like, irresponsible back then that I just didn't really care. You know what I mean? Like, obviously now it's like, I'm 28. I got to fucking, you know, it's like, I've got bills and shit like that. And so everything's kind of, you know, even before we leave for a tour, I'm like doing things being like, okay, if we're getting paid this much and we make this much in merch and our bills are this, and we owe the manager that and all this shit, like yeah. I'll probably come home with this much money. Okay, let's go. Uh, but back then it's just like, you know, we were all like, we were all living with our parents. We'd all just graduated and we were like, yeah, fuck it. If it works, it works. Like, I just want to have fun. We were so young that it was like, you know, yeah. So what? Like college is always going to be there. Like we're fucking, yeah, if this, if this doesn't work, like I'll go to college at 21, like who gives a shit. But you know, for some reason we just like kept fucking doing it and then inevitably i have to like learn how to run a business in a sense and like yeah. make smart decisions and shit like that so it's like i don't know i it, it all of a sudden one day it was like i remember the first time we did a tour we did like a it was a canadian headliner i think it was like 2012 2013 or something and we fucking we went we did it was like cross canada and it was with your demise hundredth and gideon and like our like a headline tour for us and we did that and i remember that was the first time we came home and i was like oh my god like we can all get paid like a thousand dollars like everyone gets a thousand bucks like this is fucking insane at that point that was like the most money i had ever had like at one time was like right. the money i just got and i was like holy shit and it was that was like sort of the first time where i was like okay like this makes sense and then i started thinking about it and being like okay well if we do you know if we do this differently or like maybe we do this or like, you know, work on a deal with this merch company or fucking all this other stuff. Like then maybe, then we would have had more Then maybe it would have been like $2,000. You know what I mean? And then I started like going through that in my head and being like, okay, I think there's like money to be made here. So do you enjoy that part of it? Like kind of optimizing the business part of it? Or what do you feel about that? Honestly, not so much because I think I, I struggle a lot with like that, you know, is this, is this good for like the brand and good for business if I do this versus like, well, it's fucking so stupid and we're, and it's dumb as shit, but like, I want to just fucking do it. Like we like, we've done shit where it's like, you know, we've printed shirts that literally like we made them bad on purpose yeah and we, and we wrote this shirt fucking sucks, like really small on it. Like we've done that stuff before in the past. And I'm always like, this is so fucking dumb. Like stuff that, but I feel like that's a big part of why people like the band because you, I, I, you're not, so, now you, I agree. Yeah. Like your genre is 
like you and I don't know anybody else in the band, so I don't know if they're all like you, but you know, pretty much. Yeah. So your your personality is such a, I guess, refreshing counterpoint to how serious the genre is. For sure. And I, I know people like that. I've heard people mention like that the reason they like the band is because you're funny on Twitter. Sure. And, and like, I mean, to me, that's like, that's like the sickest thing that anyone, like we know when people come up and they're like, yeah, I never heard your band before, but you made me laugh on the internet. So I like checked it out and you guys rock. So I'm like, that's two compliments for one. Thank you. Like, Oh my God, I'm going to blush. So I checked out your band. It's terrible, but I still follow you on Twitter. But you, but you're funny. Even if someone said that, if they were like, yeah, I listen to counterparts. I don't really like it, but like you're funny as shit. I'd be like, Hey, that's still fine. Hey, fine by me. That's still fucking, I'm still getting something. I'm, you know, I'm getting some sort of validation out of you at the very least. So my question would be, people have asked me this and you would be more qualified to answer it than I am. I think everyone still kind of operates under the mindset of if you're in a new band and you want to build your name to do it the way that you did 10 years ago to like eat shit, doing all these small tours, play yeah, yeah. nowhere and then play a little bit more, blah, blah, blah. On the other hand, to me, kind of seems like there's an opportunity to kind of skip the line if you are good at making content, as you saw with bands like I Prevail you know, five years ago, blowing up off a of YouTube cover and stuff. What are your thoughts about that? Like if you were starting out now, what would you do differently? If anything, in terms of us, I just, I feel like that world, like, I think that if you were in like a, a band that was heavy at all, like you kind of had to rough it unless there was like, you know, it was commercial enough to where it was like, you got to, you got like a good manager, like some label, here's your demos. And they're like, yeah, I'm down. Like, let's make this band the biggest band in the world. Then obviously you have the shortcut. But I think for the most part, in terms of like metalcore, hardcore, like, you know, any, any, like all of that kind of stuff, it's like, you kind of just had to do that. So like, because of that, I think that I, like, I wouldn't really know what I could do. You know what I mean? Like, like thinking about, like you said like a band like I Prevail or something like doing a YouTube cover that would thought would have never have crossed our mind because it's like oh yeah we're gonna get big off of like covering a fucking song like that's that's like there's no way that's crazy that doesn't but, happen yeah yeah but now it is such a real thing and I, I I even see it with like a band that we just toured with in the UK they're called Static Dress they're like a UK band they're like young kids like on the tour that we did like we just did we, we would give them their set time was like we gave them 30 minutes and they were like oh we we can't fill it. Like we literally have only written like seven <laughs> songs. We can, we can only play for 20 minutes. And so it's like the music kicks fucking ass, but it goes back to what you were saying about like their, their like content aspect of the band is like so fucking smart and the way they do everything. And it's like, they've got like every single photo, like they take photos for like everything. Like they'll fucking get like a printout of the flyer and like hang it on a fucking wall or something and take a photo of it and then run it through the filter that like the static dress filter and post it. And then it's like, like they won't just put up like a fucking yeah, like J mat. JPEG of, of, yeah. a, of an ad mat. It's like, it has to be like that. And I think that, you know, and e even just from like being on that tour and seeing the way they operate and like hearing about shit that they have coming up and you know, who's going to manage them. And these labels are talking to, I'm like, this band's going to be fucking huge. Like they're going to be, they're going to be massive. And it's like, if somebody would have told me that fucking 13 years ago, I'd be like, you think that we're going to get bigger if we take pretty fucking pictures? Like what kind of music do you think we play? But it's just, it's like, that is such a reality now. And it's like crazy. So, you know, may, maybe like my, my way of like running the band and sort of like my personality and shit like that. It's not that I'm like rebelling against it, but it's just like, 
I don't know, for whatever reason, it was like so different for me coming up. So it was like, you know, I, I have no choice but to be a polar opposite. Like yeah. whereas other bands are, you know, other bands are like fucking yeah, like, I don't know, they're like, fucking, oh, we love you guys, whatever. And I'm like on stage being like, thanks for the fucking money, you dumbass. And, like, st- like, and right. it's like, obviously, obviously I'm joking, but, you know, just weird shit. Like, I don't know, I feel like, I feel like the stuff that we do now, if there were bands, like, and they would do what we do now, like, their managers would email them and be like, hey, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> like, what do you think you're doing? Like, you're going to, like, oh, you, do you want to play music for a living or you want to fucking work at Sobeys? You know what right. I mean? But for whatever reason, it, I don't know. I guess I just like drove it home hard enough to where people are like, okay, this is just how they are now. I should, cause I remember like 2009, 2010, like I've always been like this. Like I've always, I've never taken anything like super serious. I've always like made jokes, done the sarcastic thing. Like that's just been me. And I remember when we started doing that back in the day, people fucking hated us. Like I would just say stupid shit like that. Like if we had a, if we had like a fucking show cancel or, or something or like, you know, I would just, I would be honest and I'd be like, yeah, like, I'd be like, yeah, we're not playing here because it's fucking dangerous. Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna like put myself at risk to fucking play to three kids. Like, sorry. Yeah. And people would be like, well, you should be thankful that there are even three kids that would come see you and stuff. And I, and I would more or less just respond back with like, kiss my ass. And right. then over time, like people started to just like love it. And then, you know, now to where it's like, if someone like tries to beef us on the internet, like I don't even have to do anything. Like people, like kids just fucking just take it over for me. And I'm like, okay, like send, send the minions out to do my fucking bidding. You know what I mean? But it's like, it's so funny because now that's just widely accepted for us. But back in the day, it was like fucking, I like, yeah, we would post shit like that. And people would be like, how fucking dare you? Like you like, they don't, I saw counterparts and the singer was making jokes on stage. Like, like, Oh, I lost all respect for this band. And I'm just like, who the fuck are you? Like, kiss my ass. Like, what the fuck? Like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like, like just weird shit like that. But yeah, the whole, I don't know. It's like, I feel bad. Cause like bands will always kind of ask me like, younger bands and shit would be like, how did you do this? Like, how did you get a manager, like booking agent or whatever? How'd you do this? And I, it's like, that was literally so long ago and I'm so fucking dumb. I don't know how it happened. It just, (laughs) it just happened. Like one day it was like some guy emailed me and said like, I'll do it. And I'm like, okay, you're fucking hired. Let's go. And then, (laughs) you know, that's how just everything came into place. But so weird. Well, you know, there's something to be said for being that irresponsible 19 year old that's willing to just take a fucking flyer on something, you know, and some, sometimes it backfires lots of times it does. But then on the other hand, I think about a lot of things I did that led me to where I am today, that if I didn't do something stupid and irresponsible when I was 19, it would have never happened. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like that's, you know, that's like literally like if you put it into any other context, like t- touring and like you leave out the part about playing music and you were just like, Hey, so here's what you're going to do. You're going to like quit your job where you make money. Now you're going to live in a van. You're going to make no money and you might not be able to eat, but like maybe <laughs> you'd be able to eat something, probably not as much as you want, but yeah, maybe you'll get something. I don't know. And then maybe in 10 years, you'll make money. You want to give it a shot. Like most people would be like, are you fucking insane? <laughs> like, are you like, why would anyone ever do that? That's torture. But then, but you get to carry a guitar for 25 minutes a day. Oh, all right. Well, in that case, I'm in. You get to play screaming, screaming music, and then suddenly everyone's like, "Fuck yeah, let's sign go. me I'm up!" Like, I'm like, "What?" You could have tens of fans in Orlando, Florida. Yeah, straight up. Like, hey, maybe one of them could. Maybe they might be able to get you into Disney as long as there's not a blackout date. You know what I mean? Like, 
it's fucking it's so like crazy to think of but that being said i guess i do wish that i had that we had all these like things back in the day like you know like fucking instagram and and fucking even like tiktok and like other ways to like soundcloud like all that shit like ways to actually push your music i wouldn't think i would change it i'd probably i'm i'm like i'm stoked at how we did everything and like it did take a long time and we're still not like going back to what you said earlier like with us getting bigger and like our name sort of carrying a little bit more weight and stuff it's like like not in like an egotistical sense like i I still feel like we're always going to be that like underdog band like i feel like if we were going to have that moment of fucking blow up now they're huge like that would have happened forever ago so now you know like like we see it it's like like we took like knock loose on our first headliner and it's like they in what two years time or some shit maybe a little longer like they're literally like five times the size of us. Like they can like whatever we draw in a headliner, like they can get maybe not five, but like at least double or more than what we would get in terms of crowd. And it's like, it's so easy to sort of like see that and kind of be like, well, fuck, like when's it going to happen for us? But I've sort of shifted my thinking now to being like, well, I just don't think we're that type of, I think we've just been a band for too long that it's, it's not necessarily exciting like we're not like a a new exciting band anymore so you you have to sort of like step back and and be like okay now the only thing that we can hope for is like just having like staying power and being able to be relevant across decades like bands like every time i die and census fail and silverstein and hawthorne heights and like bands that have just been fucking doing it forever to where it's like you know like you can do it into your fucking 40s you know what i mean like you can do that it's just a matter of staying relevant and like being being on the ball and that's sort of like what i'm that's my new focus it's like we're never gonna have our like big pop where it's like oh we put out nothing left to love and now we're worth a thousand kids a night it's like now we'll just like keep doing this until we've like carved a little area out for ourselves where we can like go on tour and get between 500 and a thousand kids everywhere and it's like yeah it might not be exciting we might not be the most talked about band but it's like i'm still fucking paying my bills and playing I mean, music if you so you can get between 500 and a thousand human beings to show up and watch you in any given city sure that's no fucking joke yeah straight up and if you can do that for years and years and years like yeah you're set yeah to me like i think of silverstein as such a perfect example of that is like i remember when they came out and they would play like the bloomfield avenue cafe down the street from my house in new jersey to like 15 people and i i kind of forgot that they existed until like a couple years ago because i i didn't really like them at the time you know when they came out and i I, it's probably not their favorite album of theirs either and then I realized that they were still around and I sort of, I was like, they're still around and they're this big now. What? Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. And to me that like, that's the models. Like you just keep slowly building and they'll be able, they could play music into their sixties if they want to. Yeah. Straight, straight up. So it's like, to me, that's sort of like, okay. You know, having like a, like a heyday or like not necessarily like a, like a peak or whatever, but it's like, you know, when you have that like boom yeah. in a sense of, of popularity, it's like, it's, it's scary. Cause you're like, fuck, like, will this stick around forever? Like, what are we going to do? You know, what if it tapers off? Like then yeah. what are we, ju- are we just done? Sure. And like, and more often time, like more often than not, it will. So I think it's like what I think a lot of bands out there now are trying to, they're trying to replicate that, like that insane, like surge and like that, that blow up and shit like that. And it's like, honestly, it's like, 
yeah, don't get me wrong. Like if I could, if there was a way or something that I could have done to make my band like twice the fucking size it is now, I'd probably do it. You know, I mean, there, there is, but I'm not going to fucking, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put out like a fucking butt rock record and start singing shit like that. Like that'll never happen for me. And I don't, and the thing is, I don't even think that would work. It would probably destroy your band. Yeah. Now, given the way, like given our, like our relationship with our fans, like, I think that if we put that out, like they would all just be like, Hey, this sucks. Like, fuck you. Yeah. Like what? Like, why did you do this? Like yeah. you dumb motherfucker. Like we loved you and now you're fucking, now I don't want to hear your band ever again. But you know, so that, that being said, I would probably never do it, but I would like, I I'll, I'll always be slightly envious of, of bands that have kind of, you know, they've, they've like blown up and shit or like, you know, it's like, Oh, they've been a band for a couple years, but they're already yeah. huge. And it's like, honestly, thinking about that, like now I'm like, especially given everything that's like happening with like the fucking, you know, everything getting canceled or postponed and all that shit. I'm like, you know what? At least like, I'm like, that's, that just kind of went out of my mind and being like, fuck, like how are we going to get bigger with the next record and shit? Now I'm just like, how are we going to stay the same? You know, how do we get like just a little bit more kids to the shows every time we do an album? Because then, like you said, we can, if we can keep doing this and it's like, you know, if our guarantee keeps going up and, we get older and it's like the same amount of kids are showing up. It's like, that's fine by me. Like, I don't fucking care. I I can do this for, for years and years. But obviously that being said, if we did a tour and fucking nobody showed up, I'd probably be like, all right, it's we're done. Time to can time to can this. What would you have to see to make that decision? I mean, is it one bad tour? Is it five bad tours? Like what would that signal be to you? I would say like a year of bad touring that might do it for me. So I'll give you an example. Like the, the tour that we, just did in the states like the last headliner like the private room 2.0 so it's like a lot of the rooms that we played on that tour were just too big and it's like like maybe not too big for counterparts but too big in terms of like we were expecting a lot more than what we got but that's the problem is like i don't think it was like nothing left to love like people didn't like the new record because obviously like those songs are like the biggest songs of our set now like they go harder than like the disconnect usually it was the best selling like best record that we've put out in terms of like numbers and shit like that like highest debut like all that shit so it's like it wasn't that and then we kind of like look back on it and go like damn do you think it has to do with the fact that that was our third fucking u.s tour in in like one year like (laughs) do you think that do you think maybe if we didn't do the pure noise tour fucking two months before we did the headliner, we might be able to fill these rooms. And it's like, Oh yeah, probably. So like we were playing, we were literally playing like the same rooms as the pure noise tour. And it was the same, like the same areas. It's like that tour ended in fucking California. Like when we played, uh, observatory or chain or whatever. And then two months later we were at 1720 again in LA. And it's like, there was like, I think 300, 400 people, which is like not, like that's not bad, but the venue's like 800 cap. Right. So it's like kind of embarrassing when the room's fucking half full. But then you just like you just have to be smart and think like, okay, maybe we just don't fucking do three U.S. tours in one year. How did that happen then? How do you end up playing those same rooms two months later? Just the tours were booked separately and nobody noticed it, or how does that happen? So we got the the pure noise offer, and on that tour we were like we were like smashing, like we were doing fucking great. So we had been sort of booking uh, a lot of the venues like around the same time, like kind of like with promoters knowing like, okay, yeah, I've got counterparts as direct to stick to your guns on this tour. And then fucking two, three months later, I shouldn't say like two or three months. It's like some of them lined up, like the California dates lined up to where it was 
two or three months. But yeah. take, for example, like Pure Noise, we played, I can't remember the name of the venue, but it's in Brooklyn. And then it was like almost three months later, we played New York City on our tour and it was like the same amount of people. And like we played Gramercy, it sold out. Like, so then it, at that point, it doesn't really affect it, but it was just the fact that the Pure Noise tour ended in like Southern California. And then our tour starts in Southern California. Like we should have flipped it. You know what I mean? Like we should have started on the opposite side and made our way out. Sorry, I don't mean to belabor this point. I'm just genuinely curious. No, no. And I know that I know routing tours is hard and there's a lot of people involved. I'm just curious, like, how does that not get noticed? I'm not trying to, like, beat you up. Just I'm no, 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 curious. Not, not at all. I think it, it like it was conscious to where it was like, OK, like maybe not that we could like sell out like let's say 1720, for example, like 800 cap. It's like I definitely don't think like our manager and like our booking agent were sitting there being like, yeah, so like stick to your guns, counterparts, terror, fucking sanction and year of the knife sells out 1720. So that means counterparts alone can probably sell at 1720. But they were probably like, well. It'll probably do like a little bit more than the 500 cap venue they right. normally play. Right. So let's okay. just let's just do it in there like that. Yeah. You know that that type of shit. Just one of those sort of educated guesses that goes into all these things, and sometimes you get them right, and sometimes you get them wrong. Exactly. Like merch inventory happens all the time. You get sizes wrong and shit like that all the time. Even though you've printed a million fucking shirts, when you're going, how many mediums should we get? And you still get it wrong. Sure. Or like even something you know where it's like. You know, like when we did Japan for like for years and it'd be like, oh, yeah, like it's like, well, yeah, I mean, like people in Japan don't really buy like 2XL. So like we don't need to print any of those. Like that's like like maybe like a couple just in case. And then we go over there and we like start a tour and we're like, and then, you know, kids that are like smaller than me are coming up being like, do you have 2X? And I'm like, <laughs> what? Like I'm like, I wear an XL and you're I'm like, you're a fucking small. And they're like 2X. And I'm like oh, fuck, like, we really, like, we fucked up this time. The the reason I'm asking is because I think there's a lot of armchair quarterbacking that goes on in business where people are like, well, they should have done blah, blah, blah. But if you were sitting at the table when that decision was made, you probably would have made the same decision. Of course. Of course, it's easy to say in hindsight, well, why don't you print more 2XLs? Everyone knows that Japanese kids like 2XLs now. And you're like, well, now I know that. For sure. And that's, it's just, it might be similar in terms of, like, every type of business. But I mean, I can say for a fact in terms of like the, like, you know, with music and like touring and shit like that, it's like, you're always going to fuck up. Like no one's, there's, there's literally no fucking band that like, you know, they like do enough math and they're like, okay, I think we've got it figured out. This is what we're going to print. And then, you know, the last kid in line comes up and goes, can I have that one in medium? And you're like, that's the last shirt we have. And then it's like, cool. Everything's gone. There's no mistakes. There's no bills. It's just fucking like that just never, you know, it never, it'll never happen. I mean, unless, I don't know, unless you got like some fucking crazy genius doing your shit. But that's just luck because think about movies, for example, how many movies with an all-star cast and a huge marketing budget and all the right people on the team flop? They fucking bomb. Do you think it's because everyone involved with that movie is stupid? Or maybe it's just that it's really fucking hard to know how things are going to come out. Of course, of course. And then and then you also have to factor in like fucking everything. The weather matters. Or if there was a terrorist attack on the other side of the planet and now people are scared to go to venues or theaters. Yeah, there's a pandemic right now. It's like the fucking coronavirus matters. Yeah. It's like even that is like fucking you can't predict that shit. So like some like sometimes it just doesn't sometimes it just like doesn't happen. And I think that. So now, you know what I mean? I'm like, I don't get bummed out either way. I'm kind of just like, you know, if it's like, yeah, we got like a lot of merch left, like the UK tour we did, it's like we were doing the tour started or it was a Europe tour, like, but the 
it was only the first four dates were in like mainland Europe, like Germany, uh, fucking like, uh, Amsterdam, like that type of shit. So those shows, it's like, we normally can't draw like a fucking picture in Europe. Like people just never fucked with us. And now all of a sudden they do. So we were like burning through shit and we were like, Oh my fucking God. Like this is, this is insane. Like we're out of everything. Like we're going to be in the UK in four days. And like, yeah. that's where people actually that like people there like us more and we sell more merch. So we ordered so much shit. And then at the end of the tour, it's like, Oh fuck. Like actually like we did, like there was not a single night in the UK where we did better than our merch numbers in mainland now. So it's like, like if you told me that before the tour, I'd be like, you're, you're full of it. There's no yeah. fucking way. Like that's not how our band works. And then lo and behold, you like go and do it. And suddenly you're like, I'm fucking wrong again. Like you're always going to be, I mean, I guess I should not always, but I'm always going to be fucking wrong about something. Yeah. I mean, for example, for uh, our company, uh, for anybody who's listening, is not familiar with it. So what we do is we have like producers on every month and you get the multi-track files for the album. And it's very hard to know how well any given producer and artist is going to do. For example, like there's no real correlation between how big the artist is and how well it does for us which we found out the hard way for example like we had papa roach on who are huge people might not understand this but they sell a fucking massive amount of tickets and records and our audience just didn't respond it didn't that month did not do well on the other hand we had a band on called carnival i don't know if you've ever heard of them i had not really yeah i've i've heard the, i've heard the name i think north lane like love that band yeah but exactly. that's all that's all i know about them exactly they're that kind of band and they crushed they did like probably four times better for us than papa roach did even though to use your word in the u.s carnival could not draw a picture outside of probably like new york city or something so my point being is for anybody who's listening, demand forecasting, which is the, you know, jargon term for this is hard as fuck. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, and it's the harder you try to pinpoint it, like just the more frustrating it is and the more disappointed you get. So it's yep. like at the end of the day, like just fucking try your best. You know what I mean? Like, like we on the private room tour, like that fucking hoodie that we have, like the nothing left to love hoodie. Like I like it. I think it's cool, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's a black hoodie with white text with a yellow border. Like it literally, it's like the Hamilton tiger cats, like yeah. font. I like have a hat that I like was my grandfather's and I like sent a picture of it to Trey, our like <laughs> art director guy. And I'm like, yeah, let's just rip this. Like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And every fucking day we would go to UPS, we would get boxes and boxes of them. And then at the end of the night, fucking gone, like just sold out completely. And I'm just like, you have like, you, yeah. you have no idea. I'm like, you like the sweater with the fucking word like with like aerial narrow bold <laughs> right. fucking whatever on it like that's what you like that's the hot ticket item right and now it's like if you fucking go if you just go into it thinking that you're gonna bomb then at least you'll be happy <laughs> when when you don't you know what i mean that's that's sort of how i see it you know you're you're being humble about it but i think you know we all make educated guesses but i think you just have to the the moment you get fucked up is when you think that you can forecast it because you can't because nobody can and anybody who does this for a living will tell you that you can't fucking forecast these things exactly it's like when whenever you start to take your own fucking guess as like this is this is what's going to happen you're fucked you know what i mean like you'll you'll never you can have an idea you know if you if we put out a record that like is fucking slamming and we're like everyone loves it i'd be like we absolutely kill it i'd be like yeah maybe we could 
try and play some bigger rooms or yeah. have a little bit more merch on hand or whatever. But you, I don't know. You can't be mad if something happens. It's like you just never know. Yeah. Yeah. You have no you have no fucking idea. But that's always going to be something that we, I guess, like struggle with in, in a sense. But yeah, there's no sense like beating yourself up over it. It's like it's fucking at the end of the day, it's fucking shirts like they'll, you know, to go back to your original question about like what it would take. I think like like given that tour happening and it was like we all kind of everyone on board it's like okay we we had like done the record we knew it like we were like yeah this fucking rocks it's better than you're not you then you're not you took us from here to here and you know so naturally it should be bigger than the last one but then there's just a lot of factors like maybe having bands that were on the first private room you know maybe like in my mind i'm like yeah we're gonna bring varials again because like I love them and they're like some of our best friends and they're doing like they're fucking smashing. They're doing very well. I'm like, how could this, how could this fail? But then there are just some kids that see the lineup and go, I already saw that show. Yeah. Like I already, I already paid fucking $20 for that last year. Like, why would I go see it again? Like maybe get a little diverse with it. And I'm just like, fuck. It's like, you almost can't win. It's like, if you do something crazy, like when we, like the first one where it was like, okay, we got, us being as an ocean, have mercy, varials. It's like no one sounds the same. Yeah. And the kids are like, this is awesome. And then some kids are like, this is fucking weird. Like, I don't get why have mercy's on this or something. But then when you do a tour where it's like all heavier bands, even though they're like different types of heavy, like then kids go, this is all the same. It's like, you just can't, <laughs> you can't win. So you kind of just got to fucking, you just got to like, at the end of the day, you just got to go for it and fucking, you just got to try. Yeah. Yeah. You got to, you got to gamble a little bit. Gambling fucking rocks. I love it. It's, it's it's winning money is the most fun you can ever have. So try and win some fucking fans, I guess. All right. Well, that sounds like a good note to end it on. Take it up or down for your time. One thing, speaking of varials, in case anybody in the band is listening, they seemed, apparently they didn't think it was funny that I called them varial spa. And so... Varial uh, spa? Like yeah. their fucking thing? Like varials PA? That yeah. is funny. I guess they didn't think it was funny. So guys, I apologize. Just a joke. Who the fuck? I'll, I'm going to message him after this and be like, yo. Maybe I'm wrong. That's what somebody told me. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. If they if they were offended, it's just a joke. I'm a fan. Great band. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely don't. I don't think that they were like sitting around and you and like it was like, oh, varial spa. And they were like, that's the most fucking offensive thing I've ever heard. Or on the flip side, like, I don't it's, think it's they, a terrible I don't joke. Think they were like, I admit that. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think they were like varial spa, like, oh, fuck, he got us. But it's like, it, it's it's funny enough to like, giggle at like it that's just I fucking funny so. like who cares you know what i mean like but hey whatever all right well thanks for doing this i was gonna ask you if you have anything to plug but we don't know what's gonna go on with tours so do you have anything else i mean the end record the end full length is gonna come out eventually but even then like will fucking called me today and was like ah, i don't know when the fuck this is like we don't even know if we're gonna be able to get fucking vinyl printed in time because right. the right. fucking plants might be shut down because they don't want people to go to work so i don't know it's done it'll come out i don't fucking know when i hope it's soon but we'll we'll see we'll go listen to the old one for now get ready for the new one go listen to some counterparts so just stream the shit out of every counterpart song you possibly can on every platform yeah let me get my soak in money let's That's go right i love i live for that every now and right. then i get a couple hundred bucks go to the casino and might make more so maybe this time i'll actually use it for good because i can't leave the fucking house so <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again for being on, and uh, I'll see you next time you come to Seattle. Of course. Take care. All right, my friends. That does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. 
Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. 